Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. And we're here to do essentially a prologue for next episode, which is Uncanny X-Men Annual 9, I think. That doesn't mean it's any less important than any other episode we do. And yes, it's a, a precursor or what have you to... X-Men Annual 9. We're going to do New Mutants number 34 and the New Mutants Special Edition number 1, which dovetail quite nicely into each other and ultimately into the X issue that I mentioned before. Adam. Jeremy. That's what I think. You think it's beer time? <laughs> it's, or yeah. is that a soda pop? Oh, no, 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 no. This is a, uh, a fresh beer uh, for a glass from a can. Oh, mm. fancy. But I'm actually drinking it from the can, so I'm doing it all wrong. <laughs> Why do you even have a glass? Uh, I don't have a glass. I just have the can. Oh, okay. But see, the, the whole thing behind this beer is that it's it's beer that's good enough for a glass, but it comes in a can. Interesting. Yeah, not really. That's a terrible slogan. <laughs> yeah, so uh, what are the details here on New Mutants number 34? Well, we got magic on the cover. Oh, and how. It's covered by Steve Lealoha. It is. It's not a terrible cover. It's, it's fine. Storm's in the background, so that's how it connects to the X-Men. I kind of like the the image of magic kind of teleporting, I guess, through her little uh, spot disc or whatever she calls them. Stepping disc. Um, I don't know. I mean, these this, 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 uh, I don't know that this is going to be a terribly long episode, but I guess we'll find out. <laughs> Lots of reading, but yeah, let's let's just jump right into it here. New Mutants number thirty-four. Uh, what Chris Claremont is the writer, Steve Lealoha is the artist, Glennis Oliver colorist, uh, Buhalis and or- Orzakowski is the letter and Asenti is the editor, and uh, Jaime Shooter is the editor in chief. And where we left off, uh, Magic had just dropped off Storm and. the clutches of karma so storm is now taken over and warlock found out about it from sim and he's about to try he they're both in uh limbo and uh warlock is about to kill magic he's mad um this episode this issue is called with a little luck i don't know if you said that or not yet with a little bit of luck a little bit of luck and he is angry he's got like like horns and, and like big spiky fists and like a huge angry face. And uh, he says, traitor, you lie to self. Um, Does, do his, his knuckles say hate an <laughs> extra A? Uh, they certainly seem to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. H-A-A-T-E. Very interesting. interesting yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And so he, he, starts pounding the ground and everything's already taken out sim sim's laying on the ground i do like this image of sim on the ground yeah it's kind of neat totally taken out and um magic's like oh you hang on like let me explain some of her her limbo minions pop through to help her out and she says no don't help me i've got this and uh on page two where he turns into like on the fourth panel, that's somebody, isn't it? Um, it looks like a, like a Dark Horse character. I, I don't know. It looks like Warlock to me. On the fourth panel of the, the second page? The one with the with the monsters popping through? Uh, yeah, there's some monsters popping through the stepping disc, and, and she's like, nope, I got this. He looks like um, 
Are you referring to Scud? No. Kind of, kind of has a head shaped like Scud, the disposable assassin. Yeah, I'm, I'm aware of that acronym. I used to love Scud. I never, read, I never read Scud. It, it, it gets enjoyably weird. Wasn't there a comic called Cerebus? Yeah. Does this guy look like Cerebus? Like a Dark Horse Cerebus or the Cerebus that Sim looks like? The Well, they both kind of look the same, don't they? Well, I mean, Sim is based on the Dark Horse Cerebus, right? Right. Yeah. Well, no, that wasn't, that was, uh, that was not Dark Horse. That was Aardvark Productions, which was Dave Sim's own company. I don't know. I'm he published look- all 300 issues were self-published. That's a lot of self I, I don't know who you're talking about, but he has he has a little tuft of hair at the top. Boxing gloves, big eye. Hmm. How come when I Google Cerebus Dark Horse, I don't come up with anything? Because <laughs> Cerebus didn't come up from... Unless uh, Dark Horse had a different comic called Cerebus that I'm unaware of. It could have been the the, the, the proper pronunciation of Cerberus, which oh, okay. yeah, you're right. I think it's slightly different. Okay, well, for whatever reason, maybe it's his snout and maybe it's his big hands, but this uh, um, warlock on this fourth panel reminds me of Cerebus the Aardvark. Really? A little bit, yeah. He's got the tuft of hair, he's got the snout, he's got the eye, and he's got the, I mean, yeah, I'm looking at a, a Google image right now of Cerebus, and it's not like exactly, but it looks like it's, oh, you know what I'm doing? I'm confusing it. His second uh, boxing glove looks like his nose, but it's not. It's a boxing glove. Oh, I still don't see it. Okay. But okay. (laughs) Never mind. Moving on. Moving on. (laughs) Let's just ignore that and pretend it never happened. So Warlock uh, absorbs using his absorbing ability the two monsters that piped through, um, turning them into techno-organic beings like himself, and then steals their life glow. He's fully charged. He doesn't seem to have any reservations about this, and I thought his whole deal was that he had to ask Danny Moonstar if he could absorb Oh, he he even says, Conundrum! Chief friend Danny told self he was never to transform such as these without her permission, but to save the fellow New Mutants, self will do anything. This is on the panel where it looks like um, uh, he has two heads. Yes, I think that's by design. Okay. Because he's looking in two places. Ah, Warlock's cool. He's pretty cool. I, he's although he gets a little wacky on the next page when he's absorbing. He turns into some sort of elephant vacuum cleaner. Yeah, he does. And he gets bigger. He turns, I don't know, kind of cat-like or tank-like. I'm not really sure what's going on here, but he's got... Uh, I just said it's an elephant vacuum cleaner. Is it? Is that what it is? But his his little front legs are coming from like the back of him. It's very odd. His front legs are coming from the back. Well, there's a plug on the back of him, too. So it's like he's like an elephant vacuum cleaner ironing board. <laughs> uh, people must love drawing Warlock. <laughs> they get to draw whatever they want. Pretty much. They can be as detailed or as lazy as they want. And they never have to draw him the same from panel to panel. And and they rarely do. Anyhow, yeah, so uh, uh, um, uh, Magic is like, oh, is that what you're going to do to me? You're going to absorb me? Well, this is Limbo, and I rule here. And she manifests her swords, her soul sword, um, and it looks like she's about to attack. And then Chris Claremont apparently had a change of heart because she turns into a little girl and has a little dress on. She kind of looks like uh, Alice in Wonderland, maybe. Okay. I don't know. Maybe not. Seems like she's Warlock. going for that. Um, I, th- I think, it, yeah, it could be. I mean, I would assume this is what she just, like, addressed that she had when she was back in Mother Russia. <laughs> that could be. So this is where they, where um, uh, Magic is trying to explain essentially what she's done. To, to, I have a plan! Right. 
She's given up the new mutants to uh, um, what's her face, Shan Karma. Um, Warlock says, "Why should I trust you?" When Martin Magic says, "There's no reason you should trust me." So if you got to, if if I I can't convince you, so if you have to kill me, then kill me right now. I'll let you do it. And that's when Warlock freaks out and says, "I can't. I'm a coward." Yeah, he's. He's about to. He gets all big and tall, and he gets right in her face, and that's when he he says he's a coward, and he literally melts into like a puddle of goo. <laughs> Don't you dare discorporate on me, you electronic lummox! And this coward thing is going to come back, and I guess uh, is that part of his character arc? It must be. Yeah, I think uh, because of his, he's running away from his father. He's talked about being a coward before, I think. Um, I'm pretty sure he's that's like something that he's done before. So magic is like, come on, you're not, you're no coward. You're super strong and brave and noble and handsome, and you make good food. And uh, so she make good food. I don't know. I kind of made up that last part, but <laughs> basically, what what magic has done is she's uh, she's she's broken him apart, and now she's putting him back together. And uh, Warlock is like, really? You mean it? And then he turns into uh, back to Warlock, basically, and says, you're no longer, you're not my once friend, now you're my self friend. And yes, he's two Warlocks, and he's ready, he's in, he's he's back on the team magic. Yay, he says. And so she whips up her scrying pool to see what's going on, and she can see Karma... Uh, the New Mutants and uh, Storm in her clutches, and they're at like a fancy club. It's a, yeah, the nightclub in Cairo called the Pharaoh. We've been there before, I believe. I but, think, um, yeah, we have. That's where the uh, karma made the couple hate each other during a dance or something. So Storm is actually in this scrying pool vision, able to fight back a little bit. Um, however, uh, as... As Karma says, save for your accursed mentor, Charles Xavier, yours is the strongest will I have ever encountered, but my hooks are sunk too deep in you, Windrider. Try as you might, you will not win. She can, she must, says Warlock, and he's he's very concerned now and wants to know, isn't there some way that they can help? And uh, Ileana's like, no, not yet. Forgive me. She thinks to herself... She's been a slave. She knows what it like, what it's like, and she doesn't envy what she's going through. But it's the time's not right yet. Yeah, if Aurora breaks free, she'll bust up her plan. And they witness Aurora now uh, licking the boots of um, Karma. Karma has tiny feet, big old body, small feet. Everybody in the, in the uh, watches. Yeah, they're all disgusted. There's a whole bunch of. Give me a break! The broad's an actor. You know, in typical Marvel fashion, a whole bunch of. Uh, balloons with various dialogues in them. Please, oh please, me next. And um, not bad for an amateur. Is that Jubilee in the crowd? It does kind of look like Jubilee, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, I don't think it is. Standing in front of Charles Xavier. Yeah, with a cigar. <laughs> uh, unless they were really ahead of themselves, I I don't think so. So the new mutants are kind of looking on the evil possessed new mutants. So the uh, the key thing that 
magic spice on here is she grabs Aurora and she says, you know the truth, don't you? My true identity and origin that I'm not karma at all, but Charles Xavier's oldest, bitterest, deadliest foe. And she knocks her aside. Quap. Little good that knowledge has done you. It will do him even less. You and these children shall be the instruments of my long yearn for vengeance. The victory Xavier won so many years ago in Cairo will be rendered hollow. All he values and holds must dear, most dear will be reduced to ashes. So he's going to uh, psychic uh, karma, whoever this is, is going to psychically operate on their minds, permanently altering their personalities so that he doesn't have to control them anymore. And is this a revenge scheme to get up the professor? Yes. Okay. That's what it seems like. Yeah. Although I'm sure it's also just general badness. Yeah, general bad guy stuff. So uh, then we get a flashback back to Cairo, back to uh, – we've seen this before. Uh, Storm was the best thief. She was part of the Thieves Guild. She tried to pickpocket the professor, but uh, the professor was wise to her, got her, his wallet back. Um, and that's when uh, he he got sidetracked by a psychic personality, and he was diverted into a bar, and uh, Storm went on about her business. Now, was this the exact thing that happened? Did he – did he stop her? Mm -hmm. I can't remember. I believe so. I mean, we didn't see what happened to Storm afterwards, but I believe, yeah, I mean, this is um, what happened. Well, when nothing really happens to Storm afterwards. She just takes off. Yeah. Um, we, we learn that Magic and Warlock have traveled through time to witness this firsthand, and they sneak up to the window to see what's going on with the professor. And what's yeah, and, and and again, so what we've seen already is where the professor and this very large man, whose name is Amal Farouk, ruler of the Cairo thieves, um, he you know they have their psychic battle, and Farouk dies. And this is almost a shot-for-shot reimagining of the the panels that we saw before. So here, here's what I was thinking as I was reading this: I was like, you know, what would be really cool is like we just saw Farouk die. So how could Farouk? if this truly is Farouk B possessing karma, well, wouldn't it be cool if Ilana and um, Warlock went back in time, witnessed all this, and just before Farouk died, Farouk's personality jumped into magic. They went forward in time. Magic jumped, jumped out of magic, jumped into karma, blah, 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 blah. Oh, that would have made this story much longer. <laughs> well, yeah, but it would have been kind of a cool thing. Like if you, you know, be, be, it happened because they went back in time. And the only reason they went back in time was to figure out what happened. Oh, my gosh. Mind blown. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not what happens. Not at all. That That's a causality loop. <laughs> well, those are fun to story tell about. So we do find out what actually did happen to Farouk uh, eventually somewhere in this issue. Yeah, there's a big long dialogue between Ilyana and Magic after Professor wins the battle. Um, the professor's wounded. There's like some smoke coming out of his back. Um, if the prof could beat fat, so can we, says Magic to Warlock. And she gives Warlock a big old smooch and he says, heart. <laughs> <laughs> And then, yeah, they head back to the future in a DeLorean. Cool. Yeah. Um, it won't be long. Karma states uh, and, and everybody will be under her control, I guess, or maybe Storm, one of the two. You are the strongest, most stubborn of my toys. Your spirit must therefore be the first to be tamed. You honor me, Karma, says Storm. Yeah, there's a lot of Karma or Farouk. Uh, we now know that this is Farouk. Um, 
boasting about what she can do and her abilities. But we and here's where she reveals the uh, she she lets Storm or he he lets Storm free back to herself just so that he can tell uh, Storm his story. So apparently he right before he died or as he died he was able to shift his real self or what have you his consciousness into the astral plane. And so I guess he's been floating around the astral plane this whole time until he was able to find karma. And yes. While he was in the astral plane, his sole desire was to uh, destroy um, the professor. Um, Xavier's psychic defenses were too formidable then. I perceived karma. I simply turned her power against her and possessed the girl. She still lives imprisoned within her own mind. Blah, 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 blah. So, uh, I don't know. Has, has Farouk just been roaming the astral plane for, like, the last... 10 years or 20 years or whatever and finally found karma yeah hmm. do you ever see the movie insidious Did, uh, who's in it uh <laughs> the guy that's from the conjuring one and two i can't remember his name the 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 main the, guy the uh the the, the what do they do this, <laughs> for their jobs that, the spirit chaser i don't know the spirit people yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah so the the husband of the spirit chaser is actually one of the somewhat victims in insidious so it's like mm. uh, man that's been that guy's been typecast uh, but if you haven't seen insidious you know i have no spoilers here but there's there's kind of a whole astral plane and getting lost on it arc in that movie that's somewhat similar to this have you been uh keeping up with legion I have been keeping up with Legion, or at least I've seen the first, I believe I've seen the first four episodes. How many episodes so, are out? I think there are five, and then there's one airing tonight. Uh, then I may have seen the first five. So you, you've, you've witnessed the astral plane. I, yeah, 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 the, the one, yes, yes, I have, yep. That was good. So, I mean, if you're going to ask me if I thought it was rendered the way I thought it should be, I I had no problems with the astral plane as it was portrayed in Legion. No, I was just going to say that that guy that he meets in the astral plane has been in the astral plane for uh, 25 years. So, Oh, astral plane is hot these days. So you can totally hang out in the astral plane for as long as you need to. Yeah, man. <laughs> you might lose touch with, you know, what's going on and stuff, but it's a place where you can be. Well, not if you have something like the desire for revenge to keep you afloat. That's true. That's true. So, uh, anyways, magic shows back up after Karma tells the story to Storm. And the, uh, Karma or uh, Farouk thinks that um, that Karma Magic is siding with her, him. <laughs> this, is, this is him, her, him, her. Yeah. Uh, Farouk thinks that magic is siding with him, but is about to betray her. Um, and grabs her and basically is going to break her hands, it looks like. I'm not really sure. I mean, she, her rationale is, well, her story is that she doesn't want to end up like the mutants that she currently has. So she's just accepting of her own free will. Um, and apparently they're going to seal the deal with a kiss, uh, which involves, um, yeah, holding hands. Uh, at which point karma, I, I don't know what's happening here. I don't know if. Where do you get a kiss? I don't. She says, uh, "Oh, okay, I see. Yeah, give me your hands and a kiss to seal our bond." But when she grabs her hands, yeah, she starts bending them backwards uh, and says, uh, "You need to yield." So apparently, Farouk is like, "I'm not having any of it." Think- she's just trying to get Magic to kneel before him. I think. Well, yeah, and then Magic is like, "Wait a minute! You never had any atten- uh, intentions of a an alliance. It was uh, all along. It was a trap." So Farouk Karma is just wants to possess Magic as well. 
Meanwhile, as the two of them struggle, uh, the new mutants who are asleep uh, temporarily so that um, Farouk could focus his powers on the the process of wiping their minds, I guess, Mm -hmm. um, they all start to disappear. First Cannonball, then Wolfsbane, then Mirage, then Storm, then Magma, Cypher, Sunspot. And that's when, um, still struggling, magic dissolves into a puddle. Yep. And uh, Farouk Karma's like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Why are you melting? You're not She's human. melting! Melting! Oh, what a world! And that's when Warlock says, self-failed. So he had been portraying Ilyana, but where he thinks he failed, really, he succeeded. He just doesn't know it yet. Friend Ilyana trusted self and self tried so hard, but self was weak, too weak, too afraid. But Karma's like... I've been tricked. Did Ilyana not tell him her plan? Probably not. Probably was <laughs> just like classic uh, X-Men, like, I got a plan, but I'm not going to tell you anything about it. So Wait, in the next panel, uh, Warlock says, friend Ilyana's plan is working. Teleporting everyone to limbo freed them all. So I don't know why he thinks he failed. Uh, maybe that's just to catch Karma Farouk off guard, but that doesn't make any sense. I have no idea, but... So at this point, all of the new mutants return from the from the limbo. They've all got control back, and they uh, they do a full frontal assault. Uh, everybody's hitting uh, Karma slash Rook with all their powers rapidly. Bam, boom, zuba duba duba. Farouk um, does manage to take over Wolfsbane again, mm-hmm. and who bites Warlock, who flings away the wolf form of her with a spring. Spadoing. Uh, Cheyenne wants to. Make a illusion that you know will be a f- something that uh, Farouk Cheyenne is. Cheyenne f- is not her code name. Well, f- I don't even know where you got that from. <laughs> Who the heck is Cheyenne? <laughs> she she is uh, Cheyenne in descent. Um, oh, oh, I see. Then <laughs> that's not really what I meant to say. Uh, but I couldn't. <laughs> Danny Moonstar, whose code name is Mirage. Mirage. Yes, it's. I, I'd accept you not ignoring it because it, it has shifted since we started this. I think it's going to shift again too. But I, I don't remember. Uh, anyways, she makes an illusion. Uh, thinking, just call her Moonstar. Okay, Moonstar. I'm good with that. Uh, that she thinks is going to be um, Farouk's nightmare or, or fear, but it turns out to be a scene from Vietnam. And that's when she realizes, oh, that must be Shan now. Yeah, Karma is fighting back, apparently. So, um, or actually, as it turns out, uh, it is not Shan fighting back. It is... Farouk has left her body. Right. Farouk has left the body, and, and that's when uh, she's like, oh, my God, my hands, my body, what's happened to me? And she's now dealing with the fact that she's like 400 pounds. Yeah, that's got to suck. No kidding. Here I've been asleep this whole time, and I wake up, and I'm super fat. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, Cannonball reasons that this has been too easy. Uh, in order to, uh, I guess, depossess Wolfsbane, uh, doesn't magic use her sword? Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, that we're meant to think maybe that uh, uh, magic is about to use the sword on either Storm or Wolfsbane. I can't remember which. But it turns out that Farouk had jumped into the body of Cypher. So magic does a sucker punch and stabs Cypher instead of Storm or whoever we were meant to think she was going to stab, which... Yeah, she, she accuses Storm of being the uh, karma, but then it secretly knows that it's cypher 
And uh, that momentary surprise left him defenseless. He gets stabbed. And, of course, since the sword only hurts magical uh, things and not humans, he's fine. And Farouk is out. This is actually the first issue that I think I've noticed that he has the code name Cypher. I think uh, you're right. I mean, I, I do believe that I've known that, but this is the first time I've actually seen it in print. So I guess um, Farouk does jump into Storm's body and possesses her, and he goes to kill, or she, Storm, Storm Farouk now goes to kill um, Cypher. Uh, Karma, or Shan, uses her power to try to possess Storm slash Farouk, and they they actually travel to the uh, astral plane again where we see that the Farouk is, I keep wanting to say the Shadow King, where Farouk <laughs> uh, is dominant. Um, and then there's a scene where like her, all her friends join them on the astral plane as, as bees. And I, mean, I guess they're all bees. And that gives her enough uh, strength to release herself from her giant shell back to her ordinary self on the astral plane and force Farouk out of her head, I suppose. Yeah. You are the coward, Farouk. You skulker in shadows who delights in harming those weaker than yourself, who proves of your own superiority to mask the fact that you are and will always remain less than human. I have you, fiend, and shall hold you until Xavier Sacramier. Sacramier? Sacramere. Oh, she swore. <laughs> Sacramere. He fled back to the astral plane where I cannot follow. I like uh, the imagery of... Uh, they're on the astral plane of her being in her big fat body and her busting out of it uh, into yes. her norm, what she would envision herself on the astral plane uh, as, and then fighting him. I agree. Kind of a cool. It's very cool. Mm-hmm. But now that she's out of the astral plane and he's escaped to the astral plane, she is in the big fat body and she's very sad about it. Go, my friends, let the clay flames claim me. New mutants are like, no, come on. We got this. We'll help you. Warlock turns into some sort of platform, which I guess is protecting them from the fire, and they leave the Pharaoh Nightclub, which is, I think, where they're at, uh, and they, they're they going to head... Well, they want to know if they should go home, uh, but somebody here... Is it Storm? Says, no, Sam, not quite yet. You have all earned rest, and I know the perfect place, an island in Egan called Kyrinos, where uh, there for a time you can be happy. Yeah, that's Storm. And that's where the issue ends. So basically, uh, uh, I just wanted to call him Shadow King. Farouk has been driven off to the astral plane. Shan is back with the team. She's not very happy about it, uh, and nobody's possessed. And and they're going to go on vacation. And that's where we're going to turn our uh, attention to the New Mutants Special Edition number one. Which picks right up um, at the island of Carinos. This is the... Uh, September 17th, 1985, cover price of $1.50, page count of a whopping 64 pages. Ugh. This one's called uh, Home is Where the Heart Is, and yeah, it's it's a big one. Yeah, so this this issue's got two things going. A few weird things about this issue, but, the first, but to start off with, uh, this issue's got a couple things going for it in that it's drawn by Art Adams, so the art is, in my opinion, is pretty top-notch. Uh, I mean, in the long shot series, there were a few pages that were seemed rushed. Um, I didn't really see too much in this issue that felt rushed. Um, so all in all, it's a very attractive issue to look at. And uh, for as long as it is, and it is long, like it took me over an hour to read this issue. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's 
it's not bad. It's, it's actually a pretty good story that moves moves along. There's really I didn't really get too many saggy spots. I thought so too. I thought the I don't know if the, like the structure of the way that it kind of breaks. I you, think you, you get you get story elements like maybe eight of them, and then you get the same eight the next step. And I don't know if that made it faster or slower. Well, it took me over an hour to read. So nothing made it go faster, but I think it kept it more interesting that, you know, rather than doing one complete 64-page story, you really, like you said, you had like eight concurrent stories that you would get a page or two of, and then you'd move on to the next story, the next story, the next story, and then you'd come back to the first story. And then at the end, they all kind of tie in together. Uh, so kudos to art adams and chris claremont the art author and illustrator for this issue terry austin is the embellisher or inker and i think maybe that has a lot to do with why this issue looks so nice yeah i believe that arthur adams and terry austin are a package deal uh, maybe not in the long shot series but uh, no but frequently, i mean uh, frequently art adams is seen with terry austin and they definitely do good work together lots of Lots of detail, sharp lines. Um, yeah, you can definitely see where future artists draw their inspiration from when you look at an issue like this. Especially Jim Lee or Rob Liefeld. Definitely. Uh, Buhalis and Orzakowski are letters, so same same lettering team. Uh, Christy Scheel. Interesting, my brother-in-law's uh, name is Chris Scheel, but this is Christy Scheel, so not the same person. Uh, that, did he ever? Did he have a secret stint as a female colorist? He could have. Um, <laughs> I could ask him. Doubt it. Uh, Christy Shield is the color, so different coloring, but still good colors, really good colors. Uh, Anna Senti is the editor, and Jaime Choutier is the editor in chief. And uh, this, this is a big one. This is a monster issue. So um, try to kind of cover it. I mean, really, not much to do with Storm, other than kind of the beginning and the end, really, and the rest of it's. Uh, put together with with what the new mutants do in the middle space, right? Um, so, so yeah, uh, and then I believe the the next issue will be more of the Storm slash X Men ver- uh, follow up to this. So yeah, we we start our attention with a full page splash. Uh, is with- this a scene that has happened or? <laughs> no, this is a scene of Storm in her leather outfit with like a shield and a sword. And there's um, that Thor guy in the background who I can't remember the, Beta, the one that's orange. Beta, Beta Ray Bill. Beta yes, Ray thank Bill. you. Uh, so in la- and I think maybe that's um, Human Torch behind her. Maybe. So I feel like uh, this happened. If it happened, we missed it. Was this an issue of Thor? Like, re- remember when they kept talking about how the that winter was coming in issues of Thor. Yeah. Right around the time when Storm lost her powers. Yeah. Maybe maybe we missed something. M- maybe. Listeners. Which, which if, may or may not have amounted to like a one panel of the X-Men fighting <laughs> alongside Thor. Beta Ray Bill. Oh, I guess or Beta Ray Bill. Beta Ray Bill would have taken place in the pages of Thor. Yeah, man. I mean, maybe we missed uh, an issue of Thor, but we have not seen this panel before and we have not covered this panel before. They don't say anywhere what it's from no which leads me to believe that maybe it doesn't exist i feel like it's just loki um because this is what what it is we're in asgard and uh it's loki looking at like his asgard snow globe in which he's seeing the scene and he's like wow she's magnificent she's got no powers yet she fights like 
there's no tomorrow. She fights like Lady Sif would do as, as if my my entire reference to Thor is through. I know who Beta Ray Bill is and I know who Thor is and I know anybody who was in the movies. Sif was in the movies. So I know who she is. Sif was in the movies? Yeah, she was one of the um, the four uh, Asgardians that are always hanging around. Hmm. One thing I took away from this issue is there are no black Asgardians, which is probably why there was such an outcry when that guy played that gatekeeper dude. I think that outcry was just from annoying people being like, oh, I can't have black people play white people. <laughs> I know. I totally agree with you. It was, it was a little ridiculous. But that when I was reading this, because spoilers, there's a, a scene where all the Asgardians are talking about Sunspot. And they're like, look at him. He's dirty. He's unclean. He's a dark skin. He can't be from around here. And I was like, oh, yeah, there was a controversy for the Thor movie about one of them being black. That's, I guess, there are no black Asgardians. It's Idris Elba, though. Yeah. I, I had, he transcends all things. I Yeah. Uh, there was all, yeah, poor guy. Because wasn't there uh, a um, rumor that he was potentially being considered for James Bond and that also ca- uh, caused a, an outcry? Oh, boy. Yeah. And I was like, oh, black James Bond, why not? I think he was also considered for Doctor Who, but I don't think there was an outcry for that. I think there might have been a little one. Maybe not, I though. People were, I think people were just like, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. But I he's probably too expensive for Doctor Who. Now he is. Maybe not when is. they were considering him. But I think I, I heard a rumor that they were talking about Peter Capaldi's transformation being a woman. They've been talking about that for a long time. I'll believe it when I see it. I, I, hope, I hope it happens, and I, I hope... It doesn't end up being a bunch of stupid lady jokes. Yeah. Um, it, and it very well could be, right? Like, how do I pee? Or, you know, things like that. Um, yeah. I, I skip through those. And... I, don't, I don't want to be sexist or anything. And, and I'm not against a, a female Doctor Who, but I do worry that there's a... That would be a difficult thing, I think, to write and to keep kind of the same... Doctor Who-ness. Well, Hollywood, and I'm in, and Doctor Who is not in Hollywood. However, Hollywood generally just writes strong women uh, with the voices of men anyway. So <laughs> right. I think that's what they would just do is write um, a guy and make it a woman. And, you know, whatever. It, it'll work. Yeah. It, it, it very, in, in the hands of capable writers, anything can work. I just worry that there'd be some hacks that, you know, would be just too tempted to, to throw in some stupid, I've been a guy for... 2000 years now i'm a woman and uh hopefully they'll handle it tastefully if they do it at all but yeah i'm worried about that too anyhow uh who was the actress who said she wanted oh it was uh the the woman who played captain america's um i can't remember her name um she played who did she play in captain america she was the agent carter agent carter yes agent carter said she wanted to play um yeah. Uh, Doctor Who, which would be kind of cool. Although I, I identify her so much with Agent Carter, they'd have to make her look a little different. Um, they, well, they'd put her in some goofy Doctor Who outfit. I mean, right? Bow tie and two-piece suit or something. Who knows? I think they could make that work. Loki is infatuated with Storm for some reason. He, he Maybe this is a scene from the future. Yeah, maybe this hasn't happened yet. And so he wants her, and he wants her in Asgard now. Haven't they met before? I don't. I couldn't remember. Was she in um, X Men Alpha Flight? Oh no, she wasn't. Yeah, she was in Africa. So, so but didn't they go to Asgard? 
in like X-Men Annual 7 or 5 or 3. 3. But maybe they just went to Asgard and they didn't meet Loki. That could be. Yeah, you know, maybe Loki wasn't there at the time. He was, yeah, he was sick that week. Um, So he calls forth the Enchantress and is like, get me the X-Men. I mean, I can't do anything uh, to the X-Men because of the pact I made in X-Men versus Alpha Flight. So get me Storm and these other people. Yeah, so he's he's going to get Storm and also he plans to do some sort of revenge on the X-Men. But without without doing them harm. Right, right. Because <laughs> so, he promised he couldn't. They, the X, well, not the X-Men, Storm and the New Mutants are on the island of Kyrnos, and they are there for some well-needed R&R. Um, Storm is trying to bring Shan some food. Shan is still dealing with her obesity. Uh, is Kyrnos, or whatever it's called, is that like a Madripoor type thing where this comes back? I have, I have no idea. This is uh, this this is like what was that other famous island that the X Men deal with? Genosha. Genosha. Yeah. This is like another Genosha. Could be. I have no idea. Anyway, yes, uh, Karma is very fat. And She's very unhappy about it, which I guess you know would be expected. She woke up and she was suddenly had several hundred pounds added to her previous frame. And I like this panel on uh, I think it's page three. Um, where she's just sitting there, or page six, I guess. She's just sitting there, and she's all fat, and she's like, don't look at me, I hate myself, and can I can't show myself to my family. I mean, she's just, she's she's got a moo-moo on. I mean, this is like, this is real life, like, oh my God, what happened to me? Yeah. Uh, much, Which, to much, be fair, what happened to her? Well, Farouk, she had no control over this. Farouk was in the astral plane for so long and found a McDonald's, like, I can't stop eating this stuff. Well, Farouk, as we know from uh, the professor's original encounter, was also quite large. So he just has a desire for food. So Storm's like, look, you got to eat and we'll work on this. I'm here. I'm your friend. We will get through this. But it's so hard. And they hug and Shan is crying and cut down to the beach where the rest of the new mutants are hanging out in bikinis and uh, warlock apparently. (laughs) What's that? Shorts. Yeah, Warlock. What do boys wear? Do they, do they have a fancy name like bikinis? Uh, uh, speedos. All right. There's probably some speedos here. Briefs. <laughs> um, Warlock has mastered this male um, body, but he is in a one-piece swimming suit. And uh, Ileana's like, oh, well, if you're going to take on the role of a man, you should probably dress appropriately. And for some reason, he makes really giant cut-off shorts. Followed by a woman's. Bikini, two-piece yep. bikini. And I love how he's just kind of like sitting there admi- like, ooh, look what I just created for myself. <laughs> Ileana lays down next to Cypher, and he's like, oh, you don't even want to look. <laughs> he's, he's being weird again. And uh, uh, Roberto is up above in a Speedo. See, I knew there was a Speedo. Mm-hmm. And he jumps off of the uh, cliffside into the water, and everybody's like, show off. And um, Mirage and – or Moonstar and uh, Rain are – hanging out and um rain tells mirage that nobody nobody can see us or or hear us where we are what did you want to talk about and mirage is like i didn't want to talk i wanted to test the new mutants yeah she creates a big sea creature and the new mutants go on the attack warlock's like i don't detect anything but i'll help out i don't care i'll protect uh cypher so he creates like a tank and put cypher inside and he's sitting in there like i i'm a mutant but i can't help all i do is understand languages it sucks 
they uh, they go on full attack, and then they're like, okay, but it's not here, and that's when um, Moonstar Mirage comes down. It's like, ah, we're not at the danger room, and we need to keep ourselves to be tested. They do some damage to the cliffside. Sunspot's like, whoa, we're not the X-Men. Why did you do that? Mirage is like, well, trouble comes looking for us, and we got to be ready. And just like that, trouble appears. Big storm. Bobby has a point, Danny. I know, Sam, but all our lives aren't normal. And then the sky turns black or black and red and lightning strikes and Newtons rush back to their apartment or wherever they're staying, their villa. And that's when demons appear out of nowhere and they uh, they bum rush Storm and they knock out Magma. They're knocking out everybody. Like all the new mutants are knocked out except for Magic who grabs her soul sword and she starts, uh, um, well, she eventually gets captured as well but she's swinging she goes down swinging and uh storm really quick was that it's fairly quick it's very quick uh and storm wakes up in the presence i I think of loki he yes it's loki yeah he's like okay uh hush up i'm gonna put you in the crystal chrysalis and you're just gonna hang out for a while oh and here's a new outfit for you he puts her in a uh i guess a a asgardian outfit yeah she got like headband with wings uh, tail coming out of her mohawk, some shoulder pads. Very poofy boots. Yeah. It's a cool getup. Uh, I like how uh, Art Adams draws Loki's... I like how Art Adams draws faces. Yeah. He's really good at faces. They're they're all different, which is the sign of a good artist. They mm-hmm. don't all look the same. But the rest of the New Mutants, they're in the dungeon with the Enchantress. And uh, um, these there's a reference here to Dazzler number two. The Enchantress has got a couple of Asgard dudes that attacked um, Dazzler. So there you go. There's a connection. Were the X-Men in Dazzler number two? I don't think so. I think that was like a like a beauty contest. And for some reason, the or a singing contest, an Enchantress wanted to win. And so she went to Earth and she did a sing contest with Dazzler, but Dazzler won. And the Enchantress is like, oh, you're my mortal enemy. Because she specifically says, and not at all the X-Men I remember. I don't, well, I didn't look, but I don't think the X-Men were in Dazzler number two, but maybe they were. I, maybe they were in the crowd. Go Dazzler. They might have been. I don't remember. I don't remember. Um. So Magic is like, okay, well, you, you caught us, but... I can go to limbo, so I'm going to round up my new mutants, make a stepping disc, and and get out of here. But she, she attempts to do. Um, unfortunately, she hits some sort of barrier, and she loses her hold on the others, and she senses that they've scattered through time and space, or space and time. Uh, and she, unfortunately, is still in the same room in the dungeon, and the Enchantress grabs her, Puts her up against the wall, and a bunch of arms come out of the wall, holding her to the wall. It's kind of gross. I have a problem with this panel. And the panel is, she. I mean, Ilana's 13. <laughs> and she's got the skimpiest bikini that just, like, keeps getting skimpier and skimpier as, as she's being drawn. So much so that now you can see side and bottom boob as she's being pulled against the wall by these arms. I don't have a problem with the bikini because kids these days will do what they want. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it is kind of creepy. It's a little gratuitous. Um, yeah. <laughs> but anyways. It, 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 yeah. It, I, the, the, the other thing that Art Adams doesn't do very well is women's thighs. Or maybe it's just everybody's thighs. She, he draws uh, disproportionate. Usually one thigh is larger than the other. Well, that's like because her hips are kind of cocked to one side. And I think a lot Which of... Which is, a, again, a way that women never stand. Yeah, right. I think it's... This is like classic sexy barbie proportion 
character of a woman. Yeah. Um, and Jim Lee will take this to the next level when he starts drawing. But anyways, um, that being said, uh, you know, the Enchantress, she, she goes to her henchmen. She's like, you got to find those new mutants. Go. They're in Asgard, but I want you to find them. And here we get to what we were talking about earlier, where we get to see in uh, a se- several sequences what is happening with the new mutants. We, we learn that Karma is in the middle of a desert, and she decides that she will lie down and die because she has no food, water, shelter, or friends, and no hope. Cypher is t- uh, transported into like a castle or something where he's a servant, uh, and he's getting kind of pushed around by... I don't know, some of the guests maybe. And uh, he ends up challenging one of the people to a fight. Um, but uh, the guy, the Lord or whatever, is like, no, no, you're not fighting the guy. You're going to fight somebody who's uh, more your own speed. And it turns out that it's the serving maid. One of the uh, uh, ongoing stories in this is how weak Cypher is. <laughs> so they keep driving that home. <laughs> he's so weak, in fact, that he's given a sword. He can't even lift up the sword. The barmaid handily takes him out, and he gets... Uh, he gets he's he's a dish boy now. He's a bus boy and he's wearing the collar of thrall, which I guess is I don't know something bad. Oh yeah. Uh Wolfbane is in the middle of a forest and she's getting um she happens to come across a couple of giants, one who I feel like is Ed Grimley. <laughs> yeah, I can see it. And uh they're they're combing the woods searching for somebody who they they mistake um, or, uh, Wolfsbane for. Um, she manages to escape with the help of another uh, wolf who uh, tell who can also talk. And she, she, the the other wolf tells her to follow me. And she says, "Well, I really can't. I got to find my friends." And she's like, "Well, he's so handsome. All right, I better go." So she follows him. Um, yeah, Warlock is transported to a place where there's like a giant. Um, monster thing and uh he's low on energy i think that's been mentioned earlier in this issue i don't think we mentioned it and he's kind of got another con uh uh he a contradiction in his mind like he doesn't know like he senses sentience in this giant dragon but danny said never to absorb people uh unless she instructed him to but he's so hungry and he's running out of energy and so eventually he infects the dragon with the techno-organic virus, absorbs him, and now he is full of energy. And then, for some weird reason, he says, uh, even with integral systems functioning at peak efficiency, locating self's friend will be a real long shot. At which point he turns into long shot. In that case, self had better look the part. Query, is this humor? Why does this exist? So I'm thinking that maybe... Warlock's people are familiar with the shows that the Mojoverse airs. That has to be it. But why would he connect this person to Longshot? Because Longshot is a name. Because Chris Claremont hasn't read Longshot quite (laughs) yet. For those of you who skipped our Longshot series, Longshot inherited the name when he went to Earth. Prior to coming to Earth, he had no idea what his name was. So doesn't really stand to reason that Warlock would know what Longshot's name is. But on the other hand, maybe he he just says that it's going to be a Longshot. Like, this is going to be a hard thing to do. But in that case, I'd better look the part and he turns into Longshot. I don't know, whatever. Uh, maybe uh, he also saw that Longshot was in the papers. <laughs> that could be, Yeah, that could be. Hey, I know that guy. Oh, they're calling him Longshot. All right, I can go along with that. 
Uh, at this point, Hella shows up, and he's like, uh, um, what are you doing here? This is a place for uh, dishonorable deaths or cowardly deaths, uh, so why are you here? And he's like, I'm a coward. And then uh, he turns himself into a spaceship and flies away, and Hella's like, huh, interesting. And it looks like she resurrects the giant dragon. It does, yep. The goddess, she is the goddess of death. Uh, the goddess of death shall show him before claiming him for her very own. So uh, maybe he's resurrecting the. she's resurrecting the dragon as the goddess of death? I don't know, because the dragon doesn't fully form. It just looks like it becomes upright, and there's energy. Well, no, she, she is the goddess of death. Oh, is she? I thought death was the goddess of death. No, this is the uh, Asgardian goddess of death. All right. This is real mythology outside of the Marvel Universe. All Although right. I, don't, I doubt she looked like this. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Uh, Sunspot is in a bar somewhere and uh, arm wrestling, and he uses his powers to best uh, his Asgardian foe and ends up getting into some sort of a ruckus, a bar fight. Um, his his arm-wrestling opponent grabs a lady. Uh, Sunspot doesn't like that, so he slams him through the wall. He uses his Sunspot powers. He kicks all of the Asgardian butts, and he realizes that, hey, he's, he's really strong here. Like, supposedly Asgardians are super strong, and I just knocked them all out. Um, so I also must be super strong, and I guess he isn't having a problem with his... Like energy levels either. Mm-mm. So he doesn't seem to be running low. Um, and by the end of it, all the women are digging him and his eyes are agaga. Yeah. Uh, and this is uh, also where we get the whole dark skin, dirty, diseased, whatever. And my realization that, oh, yeah, there's no black people in Asgard. All right. It's even more clear in a, uh, a scene coming up. But. I forgot about that. Magma shows up in the land of the fairies, and these fairies are super nice. And they're like, "You look, you look hungry, and you look thirsty, and we have delicious food and delicious drink. So why don't you have some?" So Magma, she just gorges herself and fills up. And uh, these fairies are like, "That's the spirit, sun, hair, fire, soul. Eat, drink, and make merry for tomorrow." And Amara falls to the ground, and they all kind of turn like a little evil-looking, and they say, Thy humil- uh, humanity will surely die. Ominous. Yes, very. So Cannonball is walking through the caves, very similar to the mines that he uh, used to uh, work in as a young lad. And he comes across a couple of dwarves, and he asks for their help, and he says, uh, I don't have any money, but I can, I can do labor. Um, and then... As it turns out, um, they the well, he calls them trolls, but I guess they're dwarves. So uh, the the dwarves actually need help because they are being harassed and attacked by some other creature. I don't know what they are, but they're even worse looking, and uh, they're directly attacking the wife of the dwarf that Cannonball had come across, who has a name. Yeah. Um, the wife's name is Agvanda, and I don't know if we know the other guy's name yet. Um, but he manages to rescue her from these other creatures, and then uh, because he got an arrow in the back, he passes out with a with a bleeding back. He's saying, "Ain't nothing in the world can hurt you." He says as he hands the the guy's wife back to him. This panel kind of confused me because it, I don't know if it's the guy's sash or belt, but it looks like there's a knife in his back. 
The guy's sash and belt. You mean the knife that's in the back of Cannonball? Oh, is that what you said? I, I couldn't tell because later on we never hear about this knife that's in Cannonball's back. Well, he just recovers. I mean, you'll, we'll, yeah, we'll see. Okay. So up until now, all of the stories for these people have been one, two, and maybe three pages. Uh, Mirage gets like eight. <laughs> it's a ton here. But she comes across a... Uh, winged white horse that's all covered in uh, barbed wire and she wants to rescue it and so she's cutting it free and but she starts to realize that the wounds that are being inflicted by the barbed wire she's starting to feel and the fear that the horse is feeling she's starting to fear it's almost as if her and this horse uh, are, are are one and the same or are connected well she already has that kind of uh sense she she from like a, the beginning we've known that she has a connection with animals yeah like an animal empathy type uh, ability so she frees the animal but but she kind of describes it as being a little bit stronger than than anything she's felt before but she frees him and that's when an army shows up and she's like oh good there's rioters here and they're like thanks for capturing the beast we'll take it from here and she's like oh i guess i'm not so happy about this and so uh, she's like, you can't have this horse, uh, or you can have this horse, but over my dead body. So they attack her, and uh, uh, Mirage starts using her danger room training, basically, to take these guys on um, where the rider was expecting her to dodge left or right from the spear. She actually grabs the spear and pulls it back, which flips the rider off the horse, and then she makes an illusion of what they're most afraid of, which turns out to be Hela, and everyone's fleeing in terror. But then they're like, wait a minute, we serve Hela, we do everything she says, why would she be here right now to frighten us? This is a trick. And so they turn around to attack her, and that's when uh, somebody on another winged horse named Mist shows up, and she starts attacking, and... Uh, Apparently they're all afraid of her because she's like, you better leave while you're able. Um, and has a conversation with Mirage and is like, you shouldn't be here. You must be from Midgard. Um, and and Danny's like, ah, this horse, I feel like I've known her for all of my life. I don't know what it is. And uh, Yeah, because the, the, she warns Danny that you shouldn't be friends with, you shouldn't be so close to the horse because it'll harm you. Mm-hmm. And... And she realizes that this horse isn't there. They formed a connection and the horse won't harm her. And she's intrigued. Mist is like, well, why don't you uh, join us? And, uh, you know, we'll go do some stuff. We cut back to Magic, who is being tortured by Enchantress. She turns uh, she turns Magic first into a little baby. And then she tries to turn her into an old lady, but she can't. Um, I'm not sure why. I guess it has something to do with her bad guy powers. But uh, she she does realize that there is an evil inside of Ilyana, and she extracts it from her. Um, and it is the uh, demon that we have always seen um, in the Magic Limited series and onward. And she says that anytime this this uh, avatar or creature of that she has created from um, magic gets hurt, it'll actually affect the magic that is still tied to the wall, but she also will not be able to die. So she'll, she's basically kind of torturing her. And then she sends the demon child after the rest of the new mutants. Kind of a cool concept. I like it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the, uh, it's the best use of the demon child so far. I mean, we've only always got kind of hints at it, but now we're actually getting to see it. 
Karma back in the desert. She's like, why am I not dead yet? And then she senses or sees something. She sees some movement, and it's a giant uh, sandworm. And underneath the sandworm is a child. And she's like, oh, I guess I got to help the child. So she uses her mutant ability to possess the worm to, I don't know, control it subtly or whatnot to, to I don't know, basically go away. Uh, and she's able to succeed. Uh, the worm jumps into the sand, um, I don't know, goes away. Uh, and now she's kind of got a renewed interest in life because there's this little girl uh, that needs protection. And she's going she's gonna to bring this little girl to safety. She has motivation. Yep. So back to Cypher. Uh, he is still uh, waiting as waitstaff and the guy that uh, he fought with earlier trips him up and he ends up spilling um, a bucket of sludge or food i don't know what it is um all over the the lord of the house the guy uh, here that that trips him he kind of reminds me of if Hagger the horrible was drawn more realistic he he is very caricature-esque so <laughs> he's got like these big lips and this giant beard and mustache and this unibrow not to the extent of Hagger the Horrible, but it I don't know. It, he's Maybe funny. that's what he was going for. You he never know. Very well could be. I like it a lot. Anyways, carry on. The Demon Riders, as led by uh, Magic's uh, demon child, burst through the doors or the, the, the walls. And um, they are coming after Cypher. And do they get him? Let's see. They kill the Lord. Cypher sneaks underneath the table, dives through the window, and Warlock finds him. Uh, so Warlock creates a kind of a, it looks like a Tron motorcycle type deal. Well, I guess it's a spaceship though. It looks like it's got a wheel, but it's not. It's pretty neat actually. It's got Warlock's face at the front of it looking like one of those Mario uh, bombs. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so, so Doug is inside of that and they, they run away and escape. Would you be referring to a bullet bill? I would. Yes. Nice. I wanted it was either a bullet bill or a chomp, but I I couldn't remember, so yeah. I didn't say anything. Yep, and they make a really good team. I mean, wouldn't you like your own personal warlock to every now and then just be like, make me a spaceship and let's go fly around? Oh yeah, <laughs> be awesome. It's me- the beginning of a very important relationship. Absolutely, Wolf Spain. Uh, she's hanging out with this dude wolf, and he's handsome. And it turns out that he can turn into kind of like the hybrid wolf man. And so she does too. And she's like, "Oh my gosh, you you do the thing that I do. Can you become a human?" Uh, and he says uh, that he's a prince, so he doesn't actually. I don't think he actually answers the question. Uh, well, he says no less, no more. So I guess this is it. This is probably as far as he can transform. But uh, he's like, "I want you to hang out with me and be with me." And, and she's like, uh, "Oh my gosh." Uh, he, he's complimenting her, talking about how pretty she is and stuff. And, and uh, he starts uh, necking her, um, like maybe nibbling or kissing her neck or whatever. And I don't think she's ever felt this kind of affection from a male before, but she, she likes it. But then she feels uh, guilt and she's like, my friends, I got to find my friends. And so she turns into a wolf and she's like, I got to go. And she runs off into the woods. Yeah, I like the way that Art Adams draws these wolf people. I've never really appreciated Rain or her wolf people-ness, but yeah. I, I like like this art version of her. All of the artists don't seem to be able to agree on what the hybrid portion of her should look like. Yeah. Some people try to draw her like Wolverine. Other people draw her like a probably a wolf human would look like, which is what Art Adams has done here. But anyways. Back to Sunspot. The other three guys from the Thor movie that I know um, 
show up at the bar because they've heard about this um, this young uh, I don't know what he is he's he's the bouncer at the bar I guess uh, and they are Volstag, Fandral, and Hogan. Remember them from Thor and Thor Two? Nope. Sure, they'll be in Thor Three as well. I hope so. And they want to see if uh, he, being Sunspot, is as strong as they say. And Sunspot is barely able to lift up Volstag, who we should mention is extremely fat, uh, inside of a chair. And he nearly breaks himself doing it. But he impresses the uh, the three of them, and they decide to go party. It's, they're going to have a, a great party. And that's when... Um, one of them says, Fandril, has, has, has noted yon lad's skin? And Fandril says, tis a common enough color on Midgard. Think he's immortal? So that that solidifies your uh, your note that yeah. they don't have colored black people. <laughs> I don't think you can say that, Adam. What do you, what do you say? <laughs> no, you, you said colored. I don't think you can say that. Oh, really? <laughs> it's, oh. Very, it's very 60s. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you were getting at. Um, this part falls apart for me. Um, so I might need a little help on it. This is Cannonball. Cannonball was rescued by some people, and he's recuperating in a bed. Um, big fire in the fireplace, which ends up turning out to be magma. Who? Well, no, the fire in the fireplace is not magma. Uh, magma is coming through the wall in the same panel as the fireplace. Ah, uh, yes. And it's it's evil fairy magma who yeah. then uh, attacks, um, I don't really know what her motivation is, something about Niflheim. <laughs> but, well, yeah. <laughs> I don't really know what that means, but she goes on the attack. Cannonball is trying to deflect all the little magma blasts. Uh, so it, it turns out that she was she encountered dark elves and they turned her into a fairy. So her, her purpose, I don't know who Niflheim is, but she wants to... Uh, kill the dwarves. I think, so I guess the dark elves oh, okay. have a bitter rivalry with the dwarves. Niflheim, I think, is a place, not a person. I think so as well, yeah. Maybe that's where uh, Hela is. Could be. So Sam was rescued by trolls, not trolls, dwarves, and uh, Magma's a fairy, so carrying on the war, I guess. Um, yeah. Uh Cannonball grabs a table, and as was established earlier, when he's flying with things in his arms, both are invulnerable, and he uses this table to clear a path, I guess. Uh, and, uh, I don't know, big mess. Everybody's mad. Yeah, all of the dark elves that came through get shoved into a hole. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the dwarves have, is it magma that they have here? Or no, who do they have? Yeah, it's magma. With the, with the red cape? Yep. Oh, she looks very manly in this panel. Well, you know. <laughs> so she's all tied up and uh uh it's those thighs the dwarf um slaps cannonball in the back which hurts him because that's where he was stabbed <laughs> yes um i don't know he's very he's conflicted right because these dwarf people uh, were so nice to him but amara's you know his teammates apparently one of uh the the dwarves king's daughter is attracted to cannonball she grabs his butt in one panel you don't actually see it it's off panel but or it's on panel, but she's she's grabbing something behind her, and you can't see what it is. But Cannonball gets um, in the two panels. He he has a look of surprise and then a look of dismay as he's taking her hand away from something. So I think he grabbed her. She grabbed his butt. He's also a little conflicted at the end of his little vignette here uh, because he sees what's happened to Amara, 
And now he's wondering, like, well, what happens if we have to leave her here because we can't reverse her condition? Um, he's He and Danny are co-leaders, so he's taking this responsibility very seriously, kind of feeling the weight on uh, the world on his shoulders, and he doesn't really know how to proceed. I like his little uh, mustache. I was going to comment on that. It's very like, okay, this dude's like 18, uh, fair skin, fair haired. It stands to reason that he probably wouldn't have like a thick, lush mustache. He just has kind of like a, you know teenager mustache going on here that's yeah, a nice touch very nice touch yeah mirage is now traveling through the air uh with a bunch of other i guess it was a flying horse and now she's hanging out with the flying horse people um and it looks like everybody that they try to encounter to get help to find her friends is afraid of them and uh so she doesn't understand who it is she's hanging out with um, she also learns that they are very uncomfortable with her being a human and that it's not normal for uh, humans to be connected to the horses. She doesn't quite understand why, but she overhears a, uh, the uh, the people, the, the, the horse riders, um, the flying riders at least, talking about how it is too late and that her life strand is now entwined with ours and it remains only for the bond to be sealed in blood. And she freaks out at the notion of that, hops on her flying horse, and runs away from the flying horse people. Meanwhile, Karma's still in the desert. She's thinking to herself how endless it is. She's wondering if she's been here for weeks or months. She's lost track of time. She doesn't even know if she's going in the right direction. Um, But she senses some movement in the distance, and so she uses her mind control power to get this lizard to change direction and head towards her. Uh, One thing that's also kind of interesting is that her clothes have changed to something else, and she even makes a comment that she's wearing the clothes of things that she's found laying around. Uh, And she also looks a little, she's still big, but she's not quite as big as when we started. But she gets this lizard to come towards her, takes a sword that she must have found, uh, stabs the uh, lizard, um, and basically that's dinner, takes it to her young charge uh, so that they have some food. And uh, now she's determined. She's like, this girl, there's so much at stake that she has to survive. Sunspot is hanging out. Uh, let's see. Oh, he's no longer with the 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 Thor's buddies. They've they're gone. Um, but he's talking about how this is the life, and he loves it here in Asgard, and he doesn't have to worry about his his dad joining the Hellfire Club or uh, training with Professor Xavier, and everybody likes him, and uh, he's very powerful, and everybody looks up to him. Um, I guess he sent the Warriors three out looking for the rest of the new mutants as well. Um, Ileana then uh, busts in, the dark child, and uh, very quickly makes very short work of Roberto and sucks his uh, entire body. He turns, he turns into like a gaseous form and goes inside of a um, suit of armor, and now, now he's a, a mindless slave. Isn't that nice, she says? I gotta be honest, uh, as I'm reading through this, I, I must not have been very interested in Cannonball's story because it doesn't really resonate with me. <laughs> <laughs> but what happens here is uh, we finally get uh, a little scene with Loki and Storm where they show up uh, at a camp and um, Loki's like, hey, look, here's the entrance to the Eteria Domain. I don't know what that is. So I guess maybe he's just giving her a tour of Asgard. 
she's definitely under his power, and I guess to conceal her for the time being, she turns him into a, or he turns her into a falcon. A falcon the, uh, with a mohawk. Yes. <laughs> the Iatri are the, 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 name, the name of the dwarven people. Which makes sense, because I think think inside of this tent or i don't know somewhere we do have the dwarven people we have cannonball and we also have magma uh magma as a fairy seems to have kind of come to her senses and she's kind of like what happened to me what's become of me sam what am i gonna do she speaks in italics she does i don't know what that means but it's italics it means her voice sounds like me And uh, Cannonball's like, we'll figure out a way to free you. You got my word. And she's like, you don't understand. It feels right. Like, I like it here. My old form feels wrong. It feels like a lie. Like, I belong here. This is what I'm supposed to be. Uh, And Loki goes and talks to the E-Tree, I-Tree people or whatever. And, uh, I don't know, the troll or the dwarf guy is referring to him as the second son of Odin, which is an insult to Loki, and he knows it. Um, and, uh, he wants, uh, the, the, the dwarf guy to create a hammer as powerful as Mjolnir and, uh, because there's no hero, uh, or, or because Asgard needs a new thunder God because apparently Thor's on Midgard, Beta Ray Bill's gone. Uh, and so, uh, is the goal here that Cannonball's going to be the new hero thunder God? Or is this a, I think it's Loki. uh, Oh, or maybe it's Storm. Must be Storm. Because there must be a rule. Like Odin, I mean, so I guess uh, Odin is not on Asgard or in Asgard right now. He's missing or something. Right. Um, but you'd think that there'd be a rule like no matter what happens, no matter what he says, Loki is never to have a Mjolnir. Do you understand? <laughs> right. So maybe Loki the trickster is like, well, I might not be able to get a Mjolnir, but Storm can have one. Um, yeah. I don't know. So he asks if uh, he'll create a hammer as powerful as Mjolnir. And I think the guy says yes. Well, he uncovers, he he sees Cannonball amongst the dwarves and notices that this guy is tall. Um, and he says he, he won't kill him if, uh, oh, I, I guess because maybe Cannonball was spying on him. Like I said, he's uh, kind of skulking in the background, and uh, so so then he's like, "Well, I won't kill him, but will you will you return the favor?" And that's when the guy says, "Yeah, I'll make your stupid hammer." So he takes off. Um, I don't know. Apparently, this is Cannonball's fault because he apologizes for putting him on the spot like that, and this guy does not look happy about this whole thing. Yeah, I don't know. One way or the other, Loki would have gotten his way. Yep. Is that it? That's it for Cannonball. Okay, uh, Wolf Spain. <laughs> Is uh, a Rui? Oh, no, the uh, the Wolfsbane's new friend is a Ruing as a wolf, and uh, Wolfsbane says, "Why are you so sad?" And he says, "I missed you." And he says, "Share my life, my love." And she turns into human, and she's like, "I can't." And she gets attacked by uh, Dark Child and immediately absorbed the same way Roberto did into another suit of armor. And the wolf boy is, says, rain, presumably follows them. So then we turn our attention to a very slender, long-haired woman. Um, Almost looks like Mirage, but the little header says karma. And that's when you realize that karma has been wandering through the desert for so long that apparently she's worked the weight off. Or it's an illusion. Look at that right thigh. (laughs) Well... (laughs) 
This, That's what I'm talking about. This There's is always one thigh. Yeah, this this is this is not a good drawing. Her legs are like nine feet tall. Her body is like two feet tall. It's um, it actually reminds me of the uh, He-Man sculpt for Tila. I don't know if you remember it, but the I Tila feel like Tila's had short hair. Well, she did, but but that's the body type. Like the body, okay. Tila had like a really small body and like tons of legs. Yeah, I don't think you could get Tila to stand in this pose though. She was very straight. Oh yeah, not not the action figure. Um, anyways, yeah, th- this is. Maybe not Art Adams' finest showing in this issue, but... Uh, He's running out of steam. Yeah. Well, 65 pages, for God's sakes. <laughs> um, so she, uh, she's she got a staff, she's got a sword, she's got something else on her back, she's got this kid, and uh, she she shows up, and she they finally, they found water and grass and everything. They've reached the end of the desert. She thought the day would never come. Uh, and that's when she sees something familiar. It's Warlock. And Douglas is in there, and she runs up. She's like, Douglas! And she hugs him. And I have a question. Has Shan mm-hmm. ever met Douglas? Um, just in the last couple of issues. Okay, so really... She- they, they were hanging out on the beach. Maybe, maybe. Um, well, I guess Douglas was... Maybe when they were in Carinos, they got to know each other a little bit. Okay. Anyway, she's very happy. And, and I guess from what we will find out and what I think we can infer, she's been in the desert for a very long time. So she's probably... Yeah, she's probably just happy to see anybody. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and so she's very happy. Um, and uh, Douglas points out that she got skinny, and that's when we get the whole... Uh, it's been months, weeks, whatever, that she's been... And true, to, true to Art Adams, she not only got skinny, she got very attractive... Yeah, there's there's no stretch marks. There's no extra skin. She's just uh, she's hot again. It's, it's she doesn't even look like she's been weathered all that much. Yeah, you'd think she'd be like all wrinkly and and uh, sand streaked, dirty, and, just dirty. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what I'm talking. Like I, I guess when I say wrinkly, I don't mean like old and I mean like wrinkly, like when you're tired and you got like lines right. in your eyes and your head and everything. Good night's sleep will take care of that, but but yeah, she's she looks like she just got done with a photo shoot, exactly, or she's heading towards one. <laughs> Anyways, she she's like, what's this on my hand? I've got this this white string. Where did it come from, and what does it mean? And uh, uh, Warlock points out that there's somebody behind him, and it's the Dark Child with Loki. Oh wait, Loki points, and then his hand, which also, or, uh, or Warlock rather, points, and then his hand, which also has a Warlock's face on it, says "Scream." It's very cute. He's got a little exclamation point or keyhole, one of the two, in his mouth. Yeah, these are great touches. Yeah, yeah, they're all they're all really good. Um, and we find out that the string is the sign of the three Norns, Erd, Skuld, and Verdandi. Are those the dudes from the movie? No, These no, are just those, words? Are, those are the okay. three, three something else, the three lackeys. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know if I pointed this out, but I didn't really care for the first Thor movie. Uh, <laughs> oh, and I never even finished the second Thor movie. And it's not because Chris Hemsworth, like, he's great. And uh, uh, Padme, who's in there, she's great too. But, man, the whole Asgard, Loki, Thor um well, not Loki so much, but the whole Thor mytholo- mythology just bores me. <laughs> so I'm hoping that this Ragnarok movie, which is supposed to have Hulk and Doctor Strange, can pull me out of that. We just lost three fans. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. I, I really do apologize. But you know what I did just watch and still remains to be a really good movie? Um, Iron Man. The first one? The first Iron Man. Yeah, that's good. It's really good. 
Yeah. Anyways, um, I guess what I didn't realize, I had to look up like, you know, what's the correct order to watch the Marvel Universe uh, shows? Oh, boy. And not that I want to do that right from start to finish, but I was like very curious about like, well, how does all this fit together? And there's a, there's a, there's Did you a, just watch them in the order they came out in. Uh. You could, but technically Captain America, which came out, I think, after Iron Man, takes place before Iron Man, so you're supposed to watch that for blah, 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 whatever. And then there's ways that, like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., like, fits in, like, episodes one through six, watch before Avengers, after Avengers Uh, seven, all that stuff. You don't don't need to watch any of that stuff. Yeah. Bottom line, I get it. But what I didn't realize was uh, the Incredible Hulk, uh, I, I thought that that was, like, a Sony joint, or I didn't realize that that was actually a Marvel, uh, continuity no, that was a marvel um that was the the, the second movie i think the second yeah, one not the first before iron man 2 yeah not not angley's uh oh, yeah yeah no the angley one uh doesn't count in the right. marvel although it could i mean yeah yeah it could just as easy as the second one the second one i didn't mind but i think a lot of people did not like that movie I didn't like the second one. It was, I don't know. It had. Uh, I actually prefer the silly Angley one to that one. Really? I like. Yeah. Uh, I like Ed Norton. I didn't but like the, the two uh, people in um, uh, Angley's. The girl, I didn't like her at all. And the guy, I didn't like. I can't remember their names, but. No, well, Eric Bana was the guy. I really liked him. Uh, and she was uh, an Academy Award winning actress who I can't yeah, remember. She was in. Jennifer or somebody. She was in the drug movie. Yeah, she was in the drug movie. She was also, she was a child actress who used to do uh, Italian uh, horror films, Giallo. Really? She was in uh, in uh, Dario Argento film. That was where she got her, her first movie. And she was the little girl in um, the David Bowie, Jim Henson movie. Oh, um, Labyrinth. Labyrinth. Yeah. Which, which uh, Dario Argento movie was she in? The one with the bugs. I don't remember what the name is. They all have really, uh, some of them have different titles, but just look for the one with the bugs. Okay. I don't think I've seen that one. <laughs> and I've seen a lot of them. Um, anyhow, uh, Dark Child and Loki, they show up. Um, and they're, you know, they we get the what the string is all about. And... Um, uh, apparently they're going to enslave them and karma's like look i've been a slave once before i'm never going to do it again and that's when um uh cypher and warlock merge into what i can only describe as the scene from transformers the movie do you remember that when the kid goes inside the transformer no you don't oh, remember wait. that transformers okay the animated movie you have, to, you have to specify no i don't it's Transformers. I'm imagining, I'm imagining Michael Bay, and I'm like, but that never happened. Yeah, those don't count, Adam. Transformers. <laughs> yes, the I movie. do remember what you're talking about. Transformers, the animated movie no. from our childhood. It's Transformers, the movie. Okay, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only one that matters, that counts. The death of Optimus Prime. And uh, what's his face? Uh, one of the Witwickies getting into uh, one of the robots. The, the youngest Witwicky, like Danny or something. Yeah, didn't older Witwicky, though, didn't he get into one? Didn't they both have one? Oh, maybe. I don't remember. Yeah, it was, uh, was it Sam Witwicky or Spike? I get confused. It might have been, I think which, it was Spike. Whichever one is in the comic continuity and not the cartoon yeah. continuity. In any event. Um, he also says, to me, friend Doug, and he combines friend Doug. There's only one D, hmm? so I, I like that. Yeah. Go Chris Claremont. That'll become a mainstay. And that's when Cannonball and Magma show up. And I think basically all at this point, it's not just Karma's story. This is where everything converges all together. Yep. Um, and they fight. Mirage shows up at the horse. Um, 
Ilyana, Dark Child, she's kind of getting beat back a little bit. Um, Robo Cypher, he's doing his damage. Enchantress is sitting wherever she's sitting, kind of watching this whole thing, and, and she's like, oh, this Daniel Moonstar has joined Valkyrior. She is one of Odin's choosers, the slain, uh, of the slain, of Valkyrie. So yeah. apparently uh, Mirage and this horse and this uh, wing thing is preordained to happen, I guess. I don't know how it works, but... Whatever. Those accursed warrior women are immune to mine enchantments. The Valkyrie have already claimed the girl's soul. I cannot steal it. She is too dangerous to be allowed another breath. Um, she feels the same way about uh, Karma, I think, because Karma has other magical powers. And um, and when Karma takes over Magic's mind, her uh, Entrantress's scrying crystal shatters so she can no longer see what's going on. Um, and then the next morning, uh, she was unable to see what happened, but the riders are at the gate and she wakes up and apparently she has a man suitor who mm -hmm. looks completely wasted from the night before. He's probably dead. Yeah. Uh, the Enchantress, that's how I would imagine she makes love. And she's in it for the, the long haul and he's not going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> and she gets, she gets, she goes down to greet all of the riders and uh, it seems like everything's in order and that they, they, she, they bested the new mutants and she's pretty excited about that. But then it turns out no way. Guess again, which I'm not sure how warlock hid himself in the background there, <laughs> but he did. Um, and a bunch of other people also come from behind and Sunspot in particular shatters his suit of armor that he was in and they battle and fight um, all of the minions of Enchantress, whatever they are, trolls. I don't know. Mirage eventually does a, a mirage of a thing that they're the most afraid of, which is Lord Odin and everybody flees, runs away. It's It's a... Good. I mean, this is a cool drawing of Odin. I've never seen him look like... He looks like Demon Odin. He's on fire, and he's, like, erupting from the ground, and he's huge. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. It's very cool, yeah. Uh, some of them stay, but, like, the new mutants handily take care of them. Meanwhile, Karma has taken control of the Dark Child and is getting her to lead her... Or getting Dark Child to lead Karma to, I guess, the source of all this problem, all these problems. She's taken. She's taken Dark Child back to Magic's body, and uh, she does, in fact, make it there. The Dark Child is kind of getting uh, beaten up, and she's, you know, she feels no sympathetic pain. Uh, that takes care of one guard. So I guess she's having Dark Child kill these guards, maybe. I'm yeah, and and she also kills one of the guards, and she realizes that the Dark Child is also the the effect is reverse, and she's starting to feel some of the darkness in herself. And that's when, when we finally get to um, Magic, who is chained to the wall. And she, as Enchantress said, would get the damage of Dark Child, um, but not die. So she's all cut up. She's got black eyes, bloody nose, bloody mouth, tears streaming down her face. And she's like, about time you guys got here. About bloody time. Shin says, restoration of your soul to your body should heal your wounds. I don't know how she knows that, but she's maybe just being hopeful. Yeah. And uh, true, it does. The soul goes back into um, Magic's body again, and she's back to being in a bikini. 
And then is this an enchantress who shows up now with the yeah, green tunic thing? Okay. Uh, thou hast but to ask, Dark Child, because Dark Child's like, I don't want these memories. Uh, she says, and the wish is granted. So she blasts at uh, magic. And she's like, you will, f- uh, the, the oblivion dust thou crave shall be thine in death. So she means to kill magic, but that's when the new mutants show up. Bust through the wall. Leave them alone, you witch. Who's this giant sword person that shows up? Is that another mirage? No, it's, yeah, it's another mirage, right? And yeah, it's, 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 it's Surtur, be. who apparently Enchantress is very afraid of. Well, yeah, because as we know from reading Enchantress, the limited series. I didn't read Enchantress, the limited series. I didn't either. I, just made, <laughs> I don't even know if there is one. Probably isn't. Uh, and with her momentarily dazed, uh, Karma is actually, is able to take control of her mind and yes. she is able to, but try as hard as you like, you shouldn't hold me for long and magic's like, she doesn't have to. Um, we're just going just to long enough for me to transport all of us to limbo where I am in control of everything. So you're a God in Asgard. I'm a God here. This is my boy, Sim. Uh, Sim, you can't hurt her, but do whatever else you want. Use your imagination. A little creepy, yeah, but whatever. So basically, Enchantress becomes enslaved. She is not to be physically harmed. Beyond that, use your ma- imagination. I'd get a creeped out vibe from this. I do too. I do this too. is that Chris Claremont skeevy part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so everybody here is, uh, um, they're still all kind of Asgardy-like. Um Especially Magma, she's still a fairy. Yeah. Um, Warlock turns into Gumby. Yeah. She looks and, at looks at the horse and says, Pokey? She's kind of dumb. What next? We go home? How dull, boring, yuck, thinks Cypher. And, uh, they've got unfinished business. they got to go find Aurora. And uh, they say, yeah, but, you know, we really should get the X-Men because uh, it's, it's, just, it's just a good idea. Cannon, <laughs> Cannonball is like the voice of reason here. But everybody else is like, no. Nah. You saw what we did. We can take care of this on our own. We don't need those X-Men. So we started it. We're going to finish Bobby it. in particular doesn't even want to leave Asgard. He was happy here. And so I guess they leave Sim and the Enchantress in limbo, and they teleport back to Asgard to finish off this business. And that's when it says to be concluded in X-Men Annual number 9. Um, yeah, so that's it. Yeah, I'm- tune in next time. I'm really curious, like, why did they decide to make a New Mutants special edition for this particular story? And not... Uh, Maybe because they weren't due for another annual? That's weird. I feel like, yeah, I I feel like if you're going to make a special edition issue, wouldn't you uh, do one of two things? Either start and finish the story in the special edition or have a two-parter and have it be special edition number one, special edition number two, rather than having a whole new thing, special edition number one, and is concluded in X-Men Annual number nine, uh, an ongoing thing. Or you just do like uh, X-Men and the New Mutants one and two. There you go. It's very... It's very odd, very odd choice, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, it's a sign of the times. They were just doing whatever they wanted. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> it's also weird to have these issues happen directly in between issue 199 and 200 of the Uncanny X-Men. Right. So I guess what we're led to believe here is that Freedom Force has incarcerated Magneto uh, and the X-Men. I guess I've never read X-Men Annual Number 9, but they're going to go off to Asgard uh, I hope Magneto's not a part of that issue. 
I don't. I think he's been incarcerated, so he yeah. is not. So while he's incarcerated, the X Men are going to go to Asgard, and then they're going to leave Asgard and probably attend the trial. Would be my guess. But I haven't actually read either of those issues, so it'll all be a surprise to me. All right, that's exciting. So this one ended up being a heck of a lot longer than I thought it was going to be. The episode or the issue? Well, the issue was long, uh, but I thought the I didn't think the episode was going to be quite this long. I didn't either. We we. Really, I think we just enjoyed enjoyed going back and forth yes. um, more so than actually uh, coming up with quick summaries. <laughs> <laughs> the issue, I mean, to be, I guess maybe it's a, a testament of, of what we thought. I thought the issue uh, overall was was very entertaining, which is why I'm kind of surprised that it wasn't just like you said, X Men and New Mutants number one and number two. I believe that annual number nine is also penciled uh, by Art Adams, so I think we get to look forward to the same art. It is, although it's inked by three inkers, oh. which is never a good thing. Nope. But one of them is Mike Mignola. Oh, interesting. Of Hellboy fame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm familiar with Mignola's work. Some of his early work. All right, then. Well, uh, yeah, give us a give us a shout. Um, ah. <laughs> can be reached at uh, www.xmenpodcast.com. Facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast at Danger Room Go. Hit us up on iTunes. Go to the search bar. Look for Danger Room. We're the first podcast that shows up. Subscribe to us. Leave us some feedback, uh, some stars. Email us at DangerRoom at RedCapProductions.com or email us at 501. Email us. Call us at 501-GET-X-MEN. Yeah. Anything else you want to add to this one, Adam? So looking at the... The difference between the special edition and the annual. The special edition was 64 pages. The annual was 48. The cover price was $1.50 versus $1.25. So maybe that had something to do with it. Don't know. Hmm. Other than that, I got nothing. I think you get a better value out of the special edition than you do the annual. Yeah, 25 cents. You get an extra 24 pages or something like that. Yeah, and a consistent art staff. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) By the time you get to the annual, they're all tired. Yeah. Well then, until next time, my name is Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the danger room is closed.